1: What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always, and we have a special treat for you guys today. Taylor Gooch. Yes, that Taylor Gooch who just won at Live Golf Adelaide and had the crowd going nuts is coming on the podcast today. We'll get to the interview in a second. But first, I want to remind everybody to go follow us on social media at the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram and also subscribe. To the podcast. It's absolutely free and it just helps us out. And it will give you a notification when we drop great episodes like this interview that we're about to do with Taylor Gooch. So make sure y'all are hitting that subscribe button on Spotify. It's the follow button on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find the 73rd Hole Podcast on GolfOklahoma.org, who by the way, are doing a great job covering the Big 12 Tournament and everything local golf in the state of Oklahoma. And also, we're right there on the podcast page on thesportsanimal.com. So, guys, you have no excuse to be missing out on all the great content we have been putting out and the great content that we're going to put out this summer with Live Golf, Tulsa coming up, the Corn Fairy event coming up at Jimmy Austin, a bunch of great stuff Along with obviously the major championships coming up in the summer of 2023. So let me not hold you guys up any longer. Let's get into the interview that we had with Taylor Gooch. Join the hype. Live Golf is coming to Tulsa at Cedar Ridge Country Club, May 12th through the 14th. See the top players who include DJ, Taylor Gooch, Bill Mickelson, Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, and Bryson DeChambeau. Battling it out. This is high stakes golf with a whole new vibe and a whole new energy. Rally your squad now and see the big names with big swings compete in this new global league. Tickets are selling fast. Get yours now at livegolf.com. That's L I. And we are now joined by one Taylor Gooch, who we saw win on Live last week at Live Golf Adelaide and taylor i have to say thank you so much for taking the time today i know the travel has been crazy going from australia to singapore we're on zoom right now you're making time for us it's nighttime here in oklahoma it's morning time where you are in singapore um so before we get started here i just want to speak for all of us and say thank you for taking the time today
3: while you're preparing for live golf singapore hey you guys are the best like i've Told y'all from the jump. I'm I'm gonna continue always making time for y'all. So thanks for having me.
1: Well, TG, last week was unbelievable. Started off the week with back-to-back 10 under 62s. And that's kind of where I want to start, TG, is what was that feeling like sleeping on a 10-shot lead? Something that only you and Tiger in the modern era, have done with one round to go. And TG, I mean, it it was just amazing atmosphere. Just tell me what the atmosphere was like. It looked unbelievable, over 60,000 fans, and then obviously you caught a heater the first two days. Just tell me what the week was like for you.
3: Yeah, you know, there was obviously so much hype and anticipation of the week with uh, the crowds and uh, you know everything that was involved with you know bringing that type of a, a tournament, that uh, type of an event to Australia, and so you know I I kind of kept talking with people. I was like, man, the hype is so big. It's uh, I'm kind of almost afraid that it's you know it's going to disappoint. You know, um, and man, did that not come true? Because it was um, it it was the rowdiest, uh, really the rowdiest tournament I've ever into in, in total now you know everyone continues to compare you know waste management and um you know the the stadium hole to this you know this past week in Adelaide and um you know it's it's just it's different you know with with waste management you know you have a really about a four five hole stretch that's just absolutely bonkers uh and then really the rest of the course is pretty quiet there's really not many people on the rest of the course and uh, that, that's really the difference was, you know, the first round uh, in Adelaide. It obviously, you know, everyone I was expecting Cam to have a, have a huge following. Uh, Cam Smith and then, um, you know, the Rippers, the Australian team to have a huge following. Um, but that's what was, was absolutely wild was, you know, there was, you know, thousands and thousands of fans you know really on what felt like every hole um and and following every group now obviously cam smith and the the rippers it looked like you know tiger circa 2003 type of crowds but um you know it was obviously incredibly well supported the whole week um you know aussie's are, um, a pretty rowdy bunch in general. Uh, they like to kick back and have some fun. And so it was, um, man, it was just such a fun week and, you know, it's kind of everything that embodies live. And, um, you know, I, I was talking with some of the guys that, you know, with all the, the craziness in the past year, it felt like this was the, the week that we and, you know, everyone a part of live can kind of say, you know what, like we've arrived. Like people, people know now that, you know, all the, all the BS noise in the media and and all of the, you know, um, negativity and, and people, um, talking about, you know, no one cares, no one watches this, that, and whatever, you know, I was walking down the, the, the last hole on, on Sunday and the crowds before, you know, I'm walking to my second shot and. Um, I could just feel the crowds like coming in behind me and the security guard came up to me and said, Hey, just stick close. And uh, I looked back and, you know, there was, you know, what felt like tens of thousands of people uh, surrounding me walking down the fairway on 18. And uh, I looked at Mal, my caddy and I said, well, this, uh, this scene here is going to extinguish a lot of the narratives that uh, the establishment media has been trying to push for the last year or so. It was uh it was an incredible week and I I rode uh with Cam Smith and the Rippers to Singapore uh after the tournament ended and I said, Hey, I think uh, there's probably some Aussies that wish it would have been you but I'm really glad it was me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm glad it was you too, TG. I mean, it was just the the golf that we saw you play this weekend was just truly phenomenal. And I mean, especially the first two days, going out and shooting 62-62. And you had been playing some pretty solid golf this year. You made the cut at the Masters. You finished top 20 in in every other little bit. But still, it wasn't up to the caliber of a 62-62 finish. You got leading by 10 shots. So just kind of take us what was leading up to this tournament and what led to you playing such good golf.
3: Yeah, you know, um, the results have been uh, decent. This year, and, and even going to last year, I had some decent results, but it really feels like since about last summer, I've, I've been playing better than the, the scores and the results have reflected. And so um, it's kind of been a little bit of a frustrating past year. I mean, even starting back, it really started around the PGA Championship last year. Mal and I were talking about this last week uh, with Bubba, because, you know, a year ago at the PGH Championship at Southern Hills, I finished like 20th or something like that, but through two rounds in my wave, I was second in my wave, but through two rounds, I was like 19th in the field. You know, Friday, uh, I had the morning wave, and I I can't remember what I shot, but I, I played really well. I think I shot like one under, and then the weather completely turned in the afternoon. It was beautiful, and, and Bubba shot like 63, um, and that you know, it, it's it's moments like that that felt like the past year, you know, the golf gods have uh, not been favoring me in, in that sense. Um, and so it, it really does feel like it's been a, a, a year coming for a week like this. You know, even at Augusta this year, you know, a couple weeks back, I, you know, I just I played better than what the results were. You know, uh, on Sunday, I hit, you know, three or four shots that, uh, you know, as us golfers know it it got a gust from the gods and it just didn't turn out well and you know the, at this level, you know, a couple shots here and there, you know, are the difference between finishing thirtieth and, you know, being, you know, in the thick of things coming coming down the stretch Sunday and so it's it's it was really cool and um obviously we felt very almost vindicating that I finally kind of had the, the golf gods on on my side for a week, and um, you know, obviously, just a uh, confirmation, affirmation of what you know we've been working working hard on um, for the past year, and, and it was just good to finally feel like you know what everything we've been putting into this, it's it's finally it's finally paying off.
0: Well, Taylor, you, you put a myth to bed pretty quickly. Uh, they say it's hard to follow a really low round with another one. It didn't look like it was too hard to make because you sure as heck did it in an easy way. But my my, my million-dollar question here, or $4 million dollar question is, 10-shot lead, never had one. Uh, you and Tiger are rare form. <laughs> what in the heck? Where is your mindset? I, I need to know this, not that I care anymore because I don't play golf, but somebody out there with a 10-shot lead, I, I'm sure you slept okay, but when you get to the golf course, what's your game plan? With a ten-shot lead, I'm just curious.
3: Yeah, I mean that's one of the the cool things about the the team aspect with with them live is we uh you know the the Rangers we were in the lead and you know I knew that um, the scoring conditions Sunday were going to be perfect. There was going to be no wind and the, the greens were absolutely ideal. And so I just you know it was it was easy to stay locked in and and go try to shoot a score because I knew that our team needed you know needs to go and and get a low one to, to get a win. And, um, and so, you know, I know that the score may not have indicated it, but I was, I was trying to shoot another 62. I, you know, uh, it was easy to stay focused and, and keep my routine the same. And, um, and you know, we all know, like you just said, how hard it is to back up a, you know, a really good round with another one. And so, um, I knew at some point, uh, golf was going to, was going to, Prevail and was going to come in and make things difficult again at some point. So I was, you know, kind of prepared for Sunday for there to be some adversity. And, um, you know, as, as we all know, with this funny game, I hadn't, I'd made one five uh, on the scorecard through, through two days. And then uh, I get to number seven on Sunday and I'm playing with Charles Schwartzel and we both part five and we both hit it, um, hit our tee ball into the right rough. Uh, there's some trees over there and we get up there and my ball is in a bush and he has a he has a perfect second shot that he knocks it on the green in two and I have to chip out sideways and I make bogey and then we get to the next hole and I hit my tee ball right down the middle of the fairway right into the middle of a, of a fresh divot, make a bogey um, and then two holes later, I uh, par five and I hit it into the green side bunker in two and it's a perfect easy little uh, shot. I go hit the shot and there was no sand and I wasn't ready for that. And it, so I bounced into the ball and it bladed it over the green and end up making a double. And so, you know, I go for two days and not making a bogey to a matter of four, four holes. I, I go, you know, six, five, five, seven. And I'd really only missed one shot and um, you know, stuff like that, that you got to, mentally prepare for that adversity that's going to come because you know like I said golf is golf's too hard golf's always going to win and so you know you just have to be ready in those moments that uh when it's when it's trying to to beat you you got to be ready to uh dig deep and and not let it you know derail your round and so uh fortunately we were able to stay composed and and finish the round off with a couple birdies but um yeah it was it was a crazy day uh and and it was uh one that would have been uh probably more enjoyable to have a little bit of a smoother uh easier walk on the back nine than what it did but uh you know in hindsight it, you know i think i I learned more about myself and was able to build some more belief within uh after kind of bouncing back from a tough stretch of holes.
1: TG, no doubt about it. I was definitely going to ask you about that and expand on what you meant by, you know, staying composed after that because it did look like you were moving a little bit quicker in that four-hole stretch. Mine's racing 100 miles a minute, but then you get the birdie at 11. I feel like that was key, and then got the birdie at 13 and then made a clutch, clutch six-footer at 17 to give you that cushion headed into 18. What things did you do and kind of expand on what you meant by staying composed to slow down after that four-hole stretch? Because you were playing some elite golf from 11 through 18, uh, you know, once your league got down to two. I was really proud of you watching it because that could have gone one of two ways and you proved that you're a fighter. Just kind of explain what was going through your head. Was Mal Baker talking to you? What what things did you do to kind of slow down in that moment?
3: Yeah, I mean, so... uh as I I said earlier, Aussies are a bit rowdy. And so walking uh, down the 11th fairway after, you know, losing four shots and four holes and you have a bunch of Aussies screaming how much you're choking. It almost makes you crack up a little bit because, (laughs) uh, you know, I kind of wanted to tell them, Hey guys, I shot 62, 62. I'm pretty freaking good. (laughs) You know, you need, you you all need to just shut up for a second. So no, you know, like I said, it, it, in those four holes, I, I missed one shot, and that was a, a, a tee ball that Charles Schwartzel hit the same tee ball and made birdie on. And so it, it's pretty – for me, it was pretty easy to say, you know, in those four holes, it was fluky. It was you know, it, it, so much of it was out of my control. And, um, you know, prior to that, like you said, I'd played some golf that uh, it's kind of hard to explain how good it was. And so, uh, you know, I just said, you know what? You're playing great golf. You got a lead. Let's just go win a golf tournament. And, you know this is nothing you haven't done before, and you know you you still got a good lead. So let's just go in and finish this thing off. So it was, it was honestly pretty uh, pretty easy to stay, you know, composed because um, you know I had been playing such good golf, and and so you know it it, it was really big making the the birdie putt on eleven, um, and once that happened. You know, I kind of, more or less, I kind of knew I had it. You know, like I said, I just I hadn't really missed a shot um, the first two days, and then I only missed one shot up to that point uh, in the final round. So it was it was locked in, and it was just a matter of not getting in my own way.
2: TJ, you kind of talked about this earlier. I just wanted to elaborate it on a little more. You you had a ten shot lead going in the final round, but but your team, the Range goats only had a one or a couple shot lead. Um, going into that final round, and so just kind of talk about your mindset going into that. Obviously, you have the big lead, so you're going to, I'll just try to do the best you can, obviously, and hit the what is the right shot, but just talk about, that, especially coming down the stretch, you guys only end up losing by one shot to the four aces, so just kind of talk about that dynamic, something we haven't seen in pro golf um, until Liv came around.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, personally, um, man, I, we really want to win, like, and, and personally, like, for the team aspect, you know, uh, DJ is has talked a little smack to me uh, over the last few months, and has you know more or less said uh, after Miami said you know en- enjoy Miami because you're never gonna you're never gonna see this again, and so um, you know he's he, it's been a, a motivating factor, a driving factor for for me and, and the team to go and um, go and get get on the podium and, and get a win as a team, so that uh, I, you know I can kind of prove proved DJ wrong and so um going to that final round that's why I said you know I was I was locked in and I was ready to go have a really good round and and help us you know propel us to a win and uh so that you know it was honestly it was still a, a little bit bittersweet because we we had a you know we had a a lead going to the final round and and I didn't I didn't help our team win and so that was that was frustrating you know obviously the the individual win helps the frustrations a little bit but yeah, I mean, it, it. That's why I said, you know, in the beginning, the what makes live just so cool and unique is that team aspect, and that's you know, in every other scenario, having a ten-shot lead, it's you know, you're just kind of, you know, you're out there more or less cruising on Sunday, uh, and and trying not to go shoot seventy-five or eighty, and um, you know, for me, I was out there going and trying to shoot sixty-five for the team, and so uh, the intensity is is high. Uh, the motive, motivating factors are high, and um, yeah, it's it's fun. And it's and it's it's unique, and it's different than what we've known golf historically uh, to be at our level. So it's 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 fun. It's it's unique, and and you know, it's just it's more motivating.
1: You mentioned the smack talk between you and DJ and all of that. And and I think a lot of people might be confused or just aren't aware of why you made that transition from the four aces to the range goats. You might just, you know, take people back and and take people through your mindset of making that decision to go to Bubba and HV three and Peter's squad.
3: Yeah. You know, uh, HV three and I are, are really, really good buddies and have gone back, you know, since college golf, we've been tight and, um, you know we uh from from the jump uh with live we had talked about teaming up and obviously mm-hmm. last year here with the four aces we had such an incredible year it was it was a it was a tough decision uh but you know it's like I keep telling people you know if you if you have the opportunity to go team up literally be teammates with one of your best buds, I mean how do you say no to that so um it was like i said it was it was tough ultimately man i just i wanted to go and and Team up with my one of my best buddies and go try to win win tournaments. And so uh, we haven't been able to do that yet. But uh, you know, with with DJ, you know, talking some smack to us, it's it's ever ever the more motivating uh, to to go and and win and to beat the four aces. We we need to stop them from winning, and we need to be the ones winning.
2: T.G., a lot of talk's been made over the last uh, year or so, especially with everyone going to live, about how does your move over there impact the major championships And You already played in the Masters a couple weeks ago. So just kind of take us in your plan. What majors are you eligible for the remaining three and uh, what your game plan looks like for those uh, those tournaments?
3: Yeah, so um, I was hopeful uh, after Augusta came out and announced their field. They, they announced uh, that I was in the field via – you know my world ranking, but also via qualifying for the PGA Tour Championship. Obviously, it wasn't um, I was suspended from the tour and wasn't able to play. But um, you know my body of work for the season up to being you know banned from the tour was good enough to get me to the Tour Championship, and so you know I was I was glad that Augusta recognized that because. Historically, up to uh, this last year, if you made it to the Tour Championship, it gets you into the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open. So when Augusta came out and you know made that decision, I, I was very optimistic that everyone else would follow you know, suit. And uh, the RNA came out and they did the same thing. They recognized me making it to the Tour Championship and uh, rewarded me with uh, an exemption into the British Open. Um, but then unfortunately the USGA decided to go in a different direction and they, um, they retroactively changed to that rule. And, um, basically the rule now on within the USGA states, uh, you have to qualify for the tour championship and also be eligible to play. Um, which was, you know, obviously, uh, disappointing because that, that, changing the rule you know it affected one person uh which was me and so that was frustrating and 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 tough because um you know with with lives still not being rewarded world ranking points i have only two options of qualifying for the u.s open and that's via my world ranking which is going to be very challenging um or trying to you know obviously go through the the qualifying route of sectional qualifying so um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that somehow my, my ranking stays high enough over the next month that, uh, I get in, um, you know, time will tell on that. And then, um, the PGA championship is, is another unique situation. Um, they have basically a point system that is, uh, directly reflective of the PGA tour money list. And that is from Basically, last year's PJ Championship up till like the week before this year's PJ Championship. It's, you know, the top 70 from that points list gets into the PJ Championship. And then, you know, a, a handful of other uh, avenues, such as, you know, winning a major and, you know, being on a Ryder Cup team and a few things like that. And then um, what they have done historically is they've filled the rest of the field via the world ranking and it's kind of been known uh as a general rule over the, you know the course of my career that if you're ranked in top 100 in the OWGR you're going to get a spot into the PGA championship and um what's interesting is you know there's been guys that that are not members of the PGA tour like Min Woo Lee and Harold Varner and uh you know a handful of other guys that have received uh you know invitation letters from the PGA of America uh, that has invited them to play in the p j championship this year via via their ranking within the OWGR. um and a handful of these guys that they have sent this letter to have been uh ranked below me at at that moment in time, and so i haven't received uh an invite yet um and i'm i'm you know very hopeful that um uh, you know, that, that will change over the next few weeks and, you know, obviously I would hope that my play this last week would kinda of prove, you know, again that I'm one of the best players in the world. And um, you know, I think Augusta it it was so apparent that having, you know, the best players in the world is more important than what tour you decide to play on. And I think that's what's best for the fans. I think that's what's best for You know, the players, I don't think John Rahm and Rory McIlroy and the best, you know, players in the world right now want to go and win a major championship and have an asterisk, you know, beside that win, because, you know, it's not filled with the true best players in the world. And, you know, the OWGR, unfortunately, is is just currently, you know, uh, it's just not reflective of what really the best players in the world are and, you know, all of us at Live, you know, knew that the decision that we made to go and play Live was, you know, bucking the system a bit, and there was going to be some tumultuous times. Um, but that's why I think you know the Masters was such a great week for everyone within golf um, because it just shows you know what the majors are the binding grounds for professional golf. It's where the fans get a chance to see the best players in the world come together and and you don't get to see that anywhere else now that, um, you know, there's such division within the the professional golf ranks. And so, you know, I I continue to, you know, hold out hope that the the majors will, you know, do what's, what's right uh, for the fans do what's right for professional golf and, and do what's best in their own interest, which is, having the best players in the world come and play their event, you know, that that's, that's what's going to drive, um, drive viewership. You know, that's what's going to drive the attention. And That's why, you know, at Augusta on Sunday, the, the ratings were so high because it's the only place in the world that, you know, that the best players all come together and play now. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that that will be a good lesson and, and a good, model for um, you know the PGA of America the USGA and the RNA to look at and say you know what we need to rise above all of this division and we need to figure out how to you know be better than that
1: one hundred percent, TG. I, I couldn't agree more with everything that you just said. I mean, right now, after shooting back to back sixty twos and winning a live event against a field that did have three out of the top four guys that finished in the in the Masters, I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. The official world golf ranking to me is meaningless. You know, you don't have to say it; I'll say it for you. But um, we asked Charles Howell the third when we had him on this podcast. I mean, what things do you think? need to change and obviously his big suggestion was you know that everyone would stop arguing if the majors just allowed the top 10 money winners on live to get into the majors and then obviously the live guys will be happy. And then the PGA tour guys could do their thing and, and they could kind of coexist. But right now, unfortunately you and among others like Joaquin Neiman are being frozen out of major championships and your official world golf ranking is dropping mainly just because you're younger and haven't you know, won major championships like other guys on live. So do you agree with Charles Howell the third, that that would be a good kind of compromise in all of this for the world of golf to come together?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I uh, I think it's an interesting conversation, and I, I I think what makes it even more interesting is you know like the the backstories of of things that people you know outside the establishment you know don't understand is you know like so many um so many contracts like players' contracts uh, so much of their um you know, bonus structures are tied into the OWGR. And, you know, so there's different people that are benefiting right now from Liv not receiving world ranking points. And I think it would be, uh, again, quite interesting if Liv just went straight to the source, uh, straight to the majors. Uh, and the governing bodies and the International International Golf Federation, and and said, "You guys obviously don't want us to have world ranking points, so you know what? That's fine. Don't don't worry about that. Uh, but you know what's best for you, you know the majors. What's best for all of golf is for us to have you know a portion of our players in your events. So how do we make that happen? Um, as everyone that knows anything." as you said, Sam knows that, you know, the, the official world golf rankings, it's just meaningless right now. And it, it's cause it's not reflective of what the reality of professional golf currently is. Um, and so with that being the case, like we don't, you know, do we really need to continue to work to get world ranking points or do we just need to go in and, and have a sit down conversation with, you know, the governing bodies, the RNA, the, you know, Augusta, the USGA of America and say, you know, how do we rise above all of this? Um, and that that's unfortunately um, the, the governing bodies uh, are, are not currently taking, you know, live side. Uh, but that's where I, I, I just think that this last week in Australia was, was such a cool week because, it's apparent that you know live golf matters it's apparent that you know live golf has you know some of the best players in the world you know i i I think what Charles said uh about having you know excellent players from live events in in the majors i I think that's the easiest solution for sure um but now you you talk about um how many because I think it's so obvious that that's the solution, but the the part that's not easy is how many players, because for example, um, you know, you had 17 guys competing at Augusta and 12 make the cut and three are in the top four. So, you know, you're telling me that the highest viewed major, the highest viewed round of golf. Uh, and we all know why it was the highest viewed round of golf because of the live players being there and everything that's come with that, um, over the last year, you're telling me there's 17 guys in the smallest field of any major, but moving forward, there's only going to be, they're only going to give us 10 guys Uh, that, that, you know, numbers speaking, you know, there's 48 guys on live and you know, that's 10 guys. That's, you know, you know, roughly 20% of the, of the group of, Players, they're getting into majors. Well, you know, what's twenty percent of 125 PGA Tour players? You know, is are we going to make this directly reflective of each other and do twenty percent from each tour? Because if that happens, you know, now you have, you know, call it fifty guys, forty guys from both tours. Well. What do you, how are you going to fill the rest of the field? You know, the PGA Championship is 156 guys. The U.S. Open, British Open, they're all 156 guys. So, if you're getting you know 10 guys from Live, you know, how many are you going to get from everywhere else? And relatively speaking, I think it's very obvious that Live is by far the second best uh, you know tour in the world from a quality of players and a depth of players you know so are we only going to do 10 guys because you know i'm obviously biased but i just i i think there's a lot more than 10 guys that are deserving of having a chance to win a major out here um the the fields the players the quality of 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 players out here is i think it's too good to only have 10 now unfortunately we're at a place where there's probably going to have to be compromise, Um, and it's unfortunate that there has to be compromise because when there's compromise in this situation, the only people that are losing are the fans and Mm -hmm. live. Um, so it's just, it's all very, very interesting. Um, and I, I have no doubt that in due time, it will all get sorted. Um, it is just frustrating in that meantime, uh, again, like I said, the only people that are suffering are, uh, the fans, live players and handful of, of executives, um, within the establishment, uh, that, you know, have had their world shaken up a little bit. So hopefully, like I said, it, it all gets, uh, figured out sooner than later. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that goes about, Taylor.
0: I'm the old man in the in the farm here, so change is hard, buddy. Uh, yeah. So be patient, okay. Keep doing what you guys are doing because you guys are all taking the high road, which is the smartest thing you can do. Well, Pat tends to take a low road now and then, but that's a different cat. <laughs> uh, but you guys keep taking the high road, and that was my question on coming up Cedar Ridge. I volunteered to help your former high school golf team, the Carl Albert guys. And uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying it because I get to see kids that are really working hard. But I found it funny. The other day I was working with them and they were still talking about you guys being an exhibition tour. and A couple of kids on the team. And I I said, you guys, you need to watch it. I said, have you watched them play it yet? And they go, no, we don't watch. And I said, well, then you shouldn't make a statement like that till you watch. And I said, you ought to do yourself a favor. Go to Cedar Ridge when they're there in Tulsa here in a couple of three weeks. go watch them play and tell me they're an exhibition group so big chance for you guys, especially for you, buddy. You're an okie, you and Charles there's a bunch of you got Matthew Wolf that has ties to us. How excited are you that Cedar Ridge is coming up pretty quick, and what do you expect out of our Oklahoma golf fans?
3: yeah, you know it was it was so uh, it was so cool last fall working with live and and trying to to you know solidify a, a event in oklahoma and, and when it came to fruition it was really really exciting and um you know because to your point what i keep telling people is you know uh, every everyone that has not seen the the tournaments everyone that has not experienced it uh all they have is to go off of what they hear about it and unfortunately um what we're all hearing is coming from the media establishment and you know that's not going to bode well for for live and so that's why i'm just super excited for specifically oklahomans to in person up close experience and see what this is all really about and how much fun it is for the fan and how meaningful it is to the players and you know how much work we're putting. Yeah, how much work we're putting in. It was it was funny this this last week. I had some uh, people tweet at me uh, Thursday, I think it was Thursday. Um, you know, I was on the range. You know, later on in the afternoon, well after my um, well after my pro am had finished, and you know these these uh, a few people like take pictures and tweet and say, you know, Taylor Gooch out here. You know getting some work in and blah 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 blah, and it's like you know this narrative has been pushed that you know we don't work hard and that it doesn't matter to us and that's what's going to be cool is is for all of Oklahomans to be able to you know that are going to be there for everyone to see you know all this crap that's being spewed in the media it's just not true and and how much work we're putting in how how much this matters so much. How much we want to win, and I mean, how much we want to go and try to win four million bucks. I mean, it, it's 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 all important to us, and and um, it's just going to be cool to um, you know for Oklahomans to up close and in person see what this is all about, as opposed to just continuing to hear what it is.
2: I think it's going to be 100% an absolute great time, TG, and I can't wait to see you guys up there. So just kind of expand for the listeners. Just about Cedar Ridge and your playing experience there, I believe at the 2009 USM when you played there, they had one of the rounds at that course, Southern Hills, was the main course. But just talk about how much you've gotten to play Cedar and what about the course really suits your eye and leads you to believe that you'll play, hopefully as well as you did down in Australia, at Cedar Ridge.
3: Yeah, so I actually haven't played it since the USM. Um, And so I'm – I remember, you know, much of the course. And so I'm, you know, I'm excited to get back there. And obviously all the players are asking me, you know, how Cedar Ridge, what's it like. And, um, you know, I, I just, I keep telling them when I was in high school, the thing was a bear. Uh, so it's, uh, I keep praying for some, um, some warmth and some, uh, rain so that the course is in great, great shape. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, listen, it's a, I think it's seventy three, seventy four hundred yards, it's par seventy one. I'm hearing it might be converted to a par seventy. Um and so, you know, at the end of the day, we know May in Oklahoma can get windy. And um, you know, wind, green speed, pin positions, those are the great equalizers and those are the things that, you know, are gonna be the this last week for example, it the the course was not easy um but the the conditions were just ideal and you know when you get this caliber of players really on any type of course when the the greens are pure and there's no wind it's we're just you know you're going to have guys that are going to eat the course up and so um you know it's going to be interesting it's all going to be dependent upon the weather the wind um as as a far as how how many birdies are made out there uh but no i'm I'm excited about it and and i, I like i said it's 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 gonna be a i think a good good test it's, i think it's gonna be a good challenge and um i just know that whenever i was in in high school in 2009 i think i, I want to say i shot three under and i think i hit six greens and so i hope the putter uh and live Tulsa is as hot as it was the day I shot 300 with six screens. so we'll uh, we'll see.
1: Cedar Ridge is definitely one of my favorite courses in Oklahoma TG. I can't wait for that week, May 12th through the 14th. Go to livegolf.com and get your tickets. Everybody here in Oklahoma TG. My last question and it kind of, you know, alludes to one of the things you brought up, you know, about people saying, "Oh, you got to these guys won't dig it out of the dirt whenever they get their guaranteed money and you know, all the stuff we heard over the last 11 months since you went to live and that's my question is you are kind of the first test run in all of this. And looking back on it, you've been with live for almost 11 months. And what does your confidence or where does your confidence in your game right now compare to when you went to live and, and has it affected your work ethic at all?
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it's, it's so funny. The, um, the way, you know, the narratives that are pushed, you know, that, uh, it's guaranteed money. Why are they going to work hard or, and then on the flip side they say, Oh, they only went because of the money. And it's like, okay, so if we only went because of the money and we're playing for so much money every week, wouldn't we want to work harder to get all of that money? You know, it's it's <laughs> there's just so 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 many holes in, in all of these conversations and and so uh yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I love working hard. This is my craft, this is what I love. None of us want to show up and you know uh, not play well. Uh, we've worked too hard. This has been what we've done our whole life. Like it, I, we're all competitors. Like we we don't want to lose. Um, yesterday, uh, which for y'all is today, at the course, you know, I, I I went and played nine holes, and then I spent two or three hours on the range afterwards. You know, it's 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 the the journey of of golf that is never going to change, you know, our, our, our chase to get better, you know, our, our desire to, to improve. It's just for me that, that, that's just never going to change. You know, um, I'm, I'm always going to want to try to have a 10 shot victory or a 10 shot lead after, after, you know, a couple of rounds that that's, that's what you, that's what you work hard for. That's, that's, that's what you're always going to strive for. So for me, you know, my, my work ethic is not, um, has not, changed at all if, if anything you know i i continue to hone in on my craft more and i understand my game better and i'm able to work harder in different areas and spend more time on areas I, I, that i know need more focus and um you know that's like I've, i was saying earlier that's the other cool thing is about live is, is the team aspect you know this last week i played with thomas peters uh and harold varner the first round uh in the first round they paired three teammates together uh, for a lot of the groups and you know Thomas was not who's a great player and, and he wasn't having his best stuff and he was two or three over with you know six or seven holes to go and it was kind of one of those tipping points where it would have been you know easy for someone to kind of ship it in and you know he's sitting there playing for something more than just himself he's playing for his you know three teammates and entire range Goat staff and you know he he guts it out and goes and shoots one under and you know it's moments like that that i think are going to continue to come to light uh for live as all the negative noise continues to go away is you know we just we have more to play for now and and we have we have you know teammates we have people that are relying upon on us and so that's you know, from the get-go was one of the intriguing things about live for me is that the team aspect. And so, um, yeah, man, it's just, it's a, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun time. Um, and it's, it's an exciting time. And, um, it's like I told people this last week that, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful the range goats get, I was hopeful we were to get a team win last week. I'm hopeful we get a team win this week, but, if we got the first team win uh, in Tulsa, I, I don't think he th- it could be any sweeter. So um, we'll see if we can get that done.
1: That would absolutely be electric if you guys got your first win at Cedar Ridge. Um, but TG, yeah, the reason why I brought up that question was because it's like People just look at the official world golf ranking. And my point of bringing up the last 11 months is you were a top 30 player in the world when you left to go to live. And now all of a sudden you're ranked 59th in the world, but your confidence is higher. Obviously you just shot 62, 62 last week, but you're ranked 59th in the world as opposed to a top 30 player who was in the top 10 of the FedEx cup. It's it's like people, uh, it, it's like the golf channel has brainwashed these people is, is how I'll put it. TG.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm, I think I, in particular, am a, I think a a good example of how not reflective, you know, the OWGR currently is, uh, you know, if you look at the course of my career, you know, really almost month after month, but especially year after year, you know, from 2017 and, you know, until I went to live, you know, my world ranking continued to climb and continued to climb and, um you know, I'm a better player now than I was a year ago. Um and you know, I, I just think if you look over the course of my career, there's you know, only been one point in time where I haven't continued to climb in the in the rankings and and it's you know, when I decided to go to live, but that doesn't mean again, the the rate the what people correlate to the world rankings is it's just not a true reflection, unfortunately right now. Um because if you look at the course of my career, for the course of a bunch of guys' careers, you know, um, the last year, it just guys guys are continuing to to get better out here. Guys are continuing to hone in on their craft, and you know, continuing to compete. You know, we're it's like we talked about this last week a lot. You know, we're hopeful that people continue to see through the the craft and and our understanding that like we're still the same players. We're we're still the same caliber of golfers. You know, just because we play on a different tour it doesn't has not changed that. So, um yeah, you know, the the game feels as good as it's ever felt. Obviously shooting sixty two, sixty two, uh it'd be tough to do that if if it hadn't if the game didn't feel as good as it's ever felt. So hopefully we can uh like I said, continue to to hone in the craft and continue to improve as a as a player, and I kind of have a good blueprint for that. And um, you know, I'm I'm hopeful to you know continue to improve.
0: One quick question for you, Tyler. Uh, you had so many good friends on the PGA Tour when you left. I know you did. Do you still have conversations with them? And just out of curiosity, if any of them said thank you to you, because let me tell you something, buddy they're playing for a lot more money now than they've ever played for out there. And it's only one reason they're doing it. Okay. And we can, we can, we can hide it or we can act like it isn't true, but it is one reason it's because of you guys. So anybody called you and said, thank you.
3: Yeah. You know, uh, I've had, I've had a few players that have thanked me. Um, You know, I, I, like you said, it's, it's pretty obvious. There's a direct correlation to the changes that have been made over there. And, like I said earlier, you know, the only people that are, that are kind of suffering right now in the, in the golf world, uh, are the fans and, you know, a handful of, of executives within the establishment, because, you know, it's, it's the whole system has been shaken and, and the people that are benefiting from that are the entertainers. They're the, it's the players. And, and it's great to see that, you know, the players are being rewarded for what they're doing. And, uh, you know, uh, Greg Norman gets a bit of flack in the media, but, you know, one of the talking points and, and that he continues to harp on is um, players seeing their value and and actually uh, receiving their commercial value and um, that's starting to happen. And so, um, man, I, I, there's no doubt even the ones that haven't thanked us or the, the ones that haven't come out publicly to thank us. You know, uh, golfers are, generally speaking, not dumb dudes. And so, uh, you know, I'm very, very confident that the, you know, the, the players in general uh, know why the changes have been made, you know, over the last year. You
2: no, know, TG, I feel like what we talked earlier about the OWGR changes and changes maybe happen for the majors, but something that really doesn't get talked about a whole lot it's like the Ryder and the President's Cup. I mean, we saw how many people for the international team weren't able to play last year. We saw Henrik Stinson lose his captaincy for this upcoming Ryder Cup because of his mood to live. And just looking at the current U.S. team standings right now, I really do think some players like Dustin Johnson, Bruce Koepka, and yourself could definitely help out this team. So maybe not as clear as trying to get in the majors, but what do you think would be a solution to allow you guys at least an opportunity to get on the Ryder Cup?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think the thing that uh, it's talked about a little bit is at the end of the day, it's it's called the Ryder cup. It's not called the PJ tour versus the European tour. Right. And <laughs> um, so people, again, like I, like I've continued to say, the only people that are suffering uh, right now is the fans uh, in, in some areas. And this is just another a point, another example that, you know, if the establishment continues to be divisive, the fans are going to be the ones that suffer. Um, because at the end of the day, the Ryder Cup is about the best from America playing the, the best in Europe. And so um, it doesn't matter what tour you play, what decisions you've made. It, you just want the best of the best competing against each other. And that's why um, it's always been, you know, such an incredible event is because it's been the best from America versus the best from Europe. And so, um, you know, I, again I, i'm i'm still holding out hope that um you know conventional wisdom will will prevail and cooler heads will prevail and uh egos will be set aside um time will tell on all of that but i i just i think there's no denying that um you know the Ryder cup team both america and europe would benefit from having uh you know some players from live and Man, specifically Europe, uh, I just, who, who's, who's the next captain going to be if, if they don't include live, you know, for the next 20 years? It's, they're going to have to recycle, you know, captains that they've used in the past. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just, it's a very interesting conversation. And, um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully for the fans' sake, uh, and for golf in general, there will be a coming together of sorts, um, in the golf world. And, you know, I think it's at the unique point in time where everyone is able to understand and see right now that, you know what, some of the best players in the world are playing at live and, um, we got to figure out how to include them on this, this, this whole system.
1: Well, TG, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Before we let you go, I do want to give you a chance to tell the people around here in Oklahoma what things you got planned for your foundation. I know that you got a couple things planned for that as we lead up to uh, Live Tulsa and let the people know what you're doing with the TG Foundation.
3: Yeah, so we, we've continued to partner with um, you know the OJGT and helping them out and um there is um, you know, a couple of tournaments that unfortunately uh I'm not gonna be able to make this spring. Uh but there's uh three series of events that the top two points getter for the boys and the top uh points getter for the for the girls are gonna get spots into the AJG Day event uh at Gallardia at the end of the summer. And that'll be cool and I'm I'm hoping for everyone, you know, all the kids that are gonna be playing in that that we'll have you know, some people come out and support that. That would be fun. But um, obviously, Live Tulsa is going to be such a cool week. And, you know, we're going to have a, a hospitality suite off the 16th Green that's going to be uh, dedicated to the, the foundation and all the proceeds are going to go to the foundation. And, um, you know, we're going to help showcase some really cool causes here in Oklahoma and some stuff that we're doing within the foundation that week. And um, it's been awesome to see how supportive Live is uh for for that and for that week and for what we're doing within the foundation um so yeah uh if anyone is coming out to um you know out to the tournament uh there's there's still some tickets available uh for the hospitality suites um and if if you're not able to to get a ticket for the hospitality suite still uh come by and and see it check you know look at it and and uh you know there's going to be some information we're going to have around the hospitality suite to, to you know further um go into detail of, of what we're doing within the foundation and so yeah i mean it's it's going to be super cool it's it's such a blessing and such a cool just position to be in um currently within the golf world to be able to to continue to use this platform for um you know making a difference and so It'll be it'll be a fun week, and uh, hopefully, we can we can do some good.
1: That's awesome stuff, Taylor Gooch doing good everywhere, not only just in Oklahoma but around the country with that Taylor Gooch Foundation. TG, by the way, did you get a chance to actually enjoy this win? You went right to Singapore. Did you and Mal Baker, who's from Australia, get a chance to enjoy it and party a little bit?
3: We uh we we may have had a glass or two too many uh, too much wine Sunday night uh so yeah we uh we had a nice little celebration um and then uh uh, yeah we we man we had a we had a good time sunday kind of rehashing it all and um but yeah so then we got on flight monday and it's uh on to singapore but yeah it's um you know man it was it was such a incredible week and and beyond cool winning in australia for, for now and um you guys would laugh at this. I uh, I asked him. I said, "Hey, when was the last time you had a win here in Australia?" And he said, "I think he said 2011 when he was caddying for Greg Chalmers. They uh they won a tournament. They had two tournaments uh, in Oz back to back. They won one week and then finished second to the next week, I believe." And I said, "Uh, I said how much? How much? Uh, how much did Greg win for that?" And uh, I think he said, "In for the two weeks combined, um, this is." maybe a little bit too much information but i think for the two weeks combined greg didn't make as much as what uh mal just made uh for this one week so it's uh pretty dang cool so that's awesome uh, yeah i mean it was, it was a great week and yeah we had a we had a little bit of wine to celebrate sunday night
1: there you go there you go well good luck in Rock singapore on.
3: today and thank you again ah, man my pleasure guys y'all have a good one